Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. Join with me as we go on a journey of learning about the person, the power, the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what we hope to do. I mean, in this message series, we hope to discover and encounter, I'm gonna say it again, discover and encounter the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. The life-transforming, life-giving person and power of the Holy Spirit. I say that intentionally because you've got to know the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit isn't some just ethereal vapour, some mantra, some genie that if you shine the bottle or rub it three times, He pops out and does some crazy things. The Holy Spirit is God. And Jesus said to His disciples just before He jettisoned to heaven, ascended to heaven, in Acts 1.8, He said, I want you to go and wait. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will become my disciple, my witness, excuse me, to Jerusalem and Judea and all the earth. You gotta know that you are called to be a powerful witness for Jesus. That you are called, your life is called to be a powerful witness for Jesus. That the Holy Spirit puts the super on the natural of your life and some crazy things happen when God the Holy Spirit gets upon you. You will receive power. And you gotta know this, that God's design was for you to be filled, empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. We are called to live like I said, supernatural lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be powerful witnesses. C3 Church believes in the infilling, gift-giving, fruit-bearing, chain-breaking, miracle-creating, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna say that again because I think that deserves a more of a woo. Come on, C3 Church believes in the infilling, gift-giving, fruit-bearing, chain-breaking, miracle-creating, freedom-bringing power of the Holy Spirit. We're just natural people, man. What can we do? We can't heal anybody. What can we do? We, We can't do miraculous signs and wonders. We're just human beings. I mean, there's some heroic people that have lived and live and do some crazy things, but God puts the super on the hero man. Like God does the, He puts the super on the natural. And all of a sudden, crazy stuff. If you read through the book of Acts, it's actually known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because you watch the church get birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You watch the church blow up not like literally blow up, but like expand by the power of the Holy Spirit because miraculous stuff starts to move. But I tell you, the greatest thing is that He pours the truth of who Jesus is through the gospel, the lens of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I can say the church is birthed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit and advances by the Holy Spirit. And He is available to every believer if you choose to receive Him and submit to Him. As I said, He's a person, not the junior member of the Trinity, not baby God, He's God. 
And uh, man, this is, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm gonna just preach this right to the response. If we can, can we just encourage Joe? Thanks, bro. All good. So good, man, so good. He is God, eternal God. And yeah, you, you've been there. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thanks, bro. First mentioned in Genesis 1-2. It feels different immediately, doesn't it? Come on, in Genesis 1-2, it says that the, the, earth, the, world was, the earth was formless and without void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. We take two verses and here He gets introduced straight out of the gate. The Holy Spirit has always been, always has existed. He is God. And then you, you move forward to Genesis 1.26 and you see that it says, and then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us. Who's God talking to? Let us. Referring to the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. When God included the Holy Spirit made us in His image, He made us as spiritual beings. We are made as spiritual beings. He set us apart from all creation. He made us differently. <laughs> look, to your, look to your person beside you and say, you are different. You are different. You ain't the same, you're different. <laughs> Eternal beings, every single one of us, we're going to live forever. We're made eternally. We're designed to house and host the Spirit of God. We're designed for it. And look, when sin entered humanity, it was the death blow to our spiritual DNA, our makeup, our design. It rewired us. Sin rewired humanity. Sin entered our flesh. Our heart that was designed as a home for the Spirit of God was now empty. Why? Because the Spirit of God cannot live in a place where sin lives. Oil and water don't mix. Where there is sin, there cannot be God. And so God who is designed to live on inside of us and with us now has to vacate the premises because something else has moved in. You see, you see, the Spirit of God and sin or the flesh, they are opposed to each other. We no longer could fulfill our design or our purpose, which is to delight in and dwell with God while we outwork dominion on this earth. That was His plan. And this is why Jesus came. On a mission of destruction, the book of 1 John says that he, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came on a destruction mission, y'all. A destruction mission. Hmm. He took on flesh in the likeness of man. He lived a perfect life, even though He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He gave His life up for us, atoned for our sins, substituted His life for ours and paid the price we could never pay so that we could be reconciled back to God. You can say amen to that. Come on, our purpose has been reinstated. The veil has been removed. What do I mean by that? Well, there was a veil that hid the presence of God from His people in the temple system that they had created so that they could carry the presence of God with them amongst the people. But He had to be in this crazy, elaborate temple 
system. It was nuts. And the presence of God was in this place called the Holy of Holies. And only one person could go in every year, a priest. And he had to go through a crazy ritual to be able to even go into that place. They actually tied a rope to him in case for whatever reason they missed one of those steps and he got smoked in the presence of God, we'd better pull him out, right? You know, I ain't going in there to get you. We'll just pull you out with a rope. I mean, that was the only way that one person once a year could get into the presence of God. But what happened when Jesus gave up His life and said, it is finished. The veil was torn from top to bottom and the presence of God was opened once again for every person could come back into the presence of God for what Jesus has done for us. All right, I better calm down, calm down, calm down. Settle it, settle it down. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18 says this because you see there was a veil over the Holy of Holies. There was a veil in the temple, but there was a veil in every one of our hearts. There's a veil on every one of our hearts. And it says this, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. And we all with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Come on, come on. How the Holy Spirit, man, He's got a job to do and he's, he's, he's coming into your world and He's helping you change, shift some furniture around, change up the home of your life and making it look a lot more like Jesus as we are unveiled and as we look upon Jesus. It's, it's, very, it's like if you can see Jesus. I love this because anyone can look. It doesn't take a theological degree to look. It doesn't take an adult to look. A child can look. But when you see Jesus for whom He really is, all of a sudden, our eyes behold the glory. Our face is unveiled. And all of a sudden, something transacts in our life in that moment. It says the wages of sin is death. Come on, sin put our spirit to death. But Jesus died, putting, but death could not hold Him. So it had no permission. Let me, you, gotta, you gotta know this. So Jesus died, gave up His Spirit. He, went, he died, but death could not hold Jesus. Why? Because sin had no permission. Death had no permission because there was no sin on Him. He, he went into, He went down to death and it's like, you can't, you can't hold me here. There's nothing you've got against me. There was no authority where there is no sin. In Jesus, and so he rose victorious. He beat death. Jesus was death to death. Come on, Jesus put death to death. So good. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 5, we find it says this And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. 
but God. Can you say, but God? Come on, but God. Man, I love when but God gets in there. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He has loved us. Come on, which even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Hallelujah. So good. So good. You were designed to house the Spirit of God. You were built to carry the presence of God. You were made in the likeness of God. Eternal beings designed to carry the Spirit. But it got fractured. The home was vacated. So Jesus set about to restore this home of our hearts. And this message is entitled, Home Restoration. So now through believing in Jesus, now by seeing Jesus who He is and declaring, oh my gosh, I see you. For who you are, Son of God. We can be spiritually reborn. These are the words of Jesus and He has this interesting interaction with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And it's one of those great little hidden gems, maybe not that hidden, but uh, one of those amazing little gems of the Bible about a character that's in the story of Jesus and you might miss it if you don't kind of see it. But Nicodemus was a Pharisee. You know, spoiler alert, the Pharisees plotted to have Jesus killed. The religious elite plotted to have Jesus killed. He was one of the Pharisees. But he came to Jesus in the cool of the night, it says, because he didn't want to necessarily be seeing with Jesus, but he, had, he, was, he was curious. He, he saw the miracles and the signs and wonders of what Jesus was doing. He's like, there's something about you that I can see is from God. I want to know a little bit more. And so this Pharisee comes in the cool of the night to talk to Jesus. And I love how Jesus just interacts with him. In fact, you find this in John 3. Come on, the core of the Gospel and the most well-known verse in the Bible is what John 3.16. Who did Jesus say that to? He said it to Nicodemus, this Pharisee, in this interaction with him. The most famous Gospel message, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life was said to this man Nicodemus in the call of the garden, this Pharisee that came to Jesus. I love Jesus. Don't just, isn't that awesome? Let me fast forward to the, to the death of Jesus. This man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a wealthy man, who was a secret follower of Jesus, went to Pontius Pilate and said, Pontius, brother Pontius, can I have his body? I've got a tomb, I wanna bury him in, in this tomb. And so that, that Pontius said, sure, have the body of Jesus. And so Joseph comes and guess who comes with Joseph? But Nicodemus, the Pharisee, he comes with Joseph and he brings 70 pounds of aloes and spices and embalming stuff because that's how much you would do to embalm a king. Nicodemus honours Jesus in the death of his life by saying, you are the king, you are the king. And he brought the right amount of ointments and spices and aloes and stuff to anoint him and prepare him for burial as a king. This is Nicodemus. How cool is that? That's for free. That's not in my notes. But let's get back here. Jesus says now, oh, sorry, John says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. 
for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? It's a fair question. (laughs) Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I just think that's legitly cool. How do I get to be born again, man? Like, it's not going to go well for my mum, firstly. And uh, <clears throat> can you enter a second time? I, just, I think it's great. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There is a new birth in Jesus. That, that centre of your, of your life, often we'll call it your heart, the centre, the, the, the place, the deepest core of who you are, what God created for His presence to dwell, that you were crea- that He created a home within you to carry His presence, that place that had to be vacated by sin and the fact that every single one of us as Ephesians 2, we were born spiritually dead, that, 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 that we were born by the seed of Adam, every one of us apart from Jesus, every one of us was born with a, with a sin nature and therefore we were dead spiritually dead, yet through Jesus, through His blood poured out by believing on Him, we can by the Spirit of God be born again, given a new life, a new creation, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. It's the most wonderful thing to see someone meet Jesus for the first time. And the thing that I will say is I just feel new and I, I, I love my brother Matt. He said, oh, I feel awakened. He feels like I was just awakened when, when Matt m- met Jesus. Hey, that was an amazing moment. I just feel alive and awakened. Something gets reborn and rebirthed inside of us. And you're like, Steve, isn't this about the Holy Spirit? You just seem to be preaching the gospel. And we're, you know, maybe most of us here are Christians and we've been that way for a while. And come on, I came out to church to hear something new. Well, bear with me. Because you see, the work of the Holy Spirit, it's very important that you understand that He's on a mission. And there are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and there is fruit of the Holy Spirit, and there are miraculous works that the Holy Spirit will do. But none more miraculous than rebirthing you and reopening up that place that He once was called to dwell and now can dwell again. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit is rebirthing and re- reborning, that's not even a word, you and I. This rebirth. And the mission is this, to bring glory to Jesus. Holy Spirit has a mission to 
bring glory to Jesus. He's on a mission to draw us to Jesus. He's on a mission to empower us to live lives like Jesus. He's on a mission to draw others to Jesus through you. Come on, He is the indweller, teacher, healer, deliverer, helper, encourager, comforter, equipper. He's a spirit of truth. He's all of those things. And we're gonna unpack that in the weeks to come. But His number one pursuit is to glorify Jesus through your life. His number one pursuit. John 16, 13 to 14, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. And He will glorify Me, Jesus says. For He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Come on, His work is our work. The Westminster Catechism was written a long time ago. I'm not sure when, a long time ago. But it's a statement of Christian faith. It holds true to today. And the question number one that the Westminster Catechism wanted to answer was, what is the chief end of man? What are we designed for? What do we exist for? What is our purpose? And they answered it. The chief end of man, the chief end of woman, the chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I think you've got to understand that enjoyment, that joy, that fullness and purpose, a sense of what you're designed for, made for, hitting the bullseye of life comes from when you enjoy God. When you actually die to yourself, live for someone else and are free to glorify someone else, to glorify Jesus through your life, you get free and you get joy. But yet we wanna do this transaction of trying to fill that gap with other stuff, don't we? To bring a sense of fulfilment and satisfaction and joy, whatever it might be in your world and in mine, but there's no other way to fill the void of your created nature then Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit wants to pull you into relationship, pull you into knowledge, pull you into the love, pull you into the splendour, pull you into the wonder, pull you into the freedom, pull you into the adventure that is found in Jesus. It's His desire and His design. God, you got to know this. Listen up. My church family, my my brothers and sisters, any platform we receive, any influence we are given, we are given to glorify Jesus, to make much of Jesus, to help others see Jesus, to magnify Jesus. We are not given a platform or influence to make much of ourselves to glorify ourselves, for self-promotion, to feel a sense of self-importance, self-satisfaction. This motivation is in opposition to the Holy Spirit. It's rooted in flesh. It's rooted in pride. In fact, our influence grows as our love for Jesus grows. The Holy Spirit wants to pull you full face into the overwhelming love of Jesus and radically transform you as the writer of Corinthians, Paul said, from degree by degree into the image of Jesus. 
Jesus said, I didn't come to, 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 to be served, but to serve, to lay down my life for, to be a ransom for many. If you wanna follow me, you need to lay down your life. You need to pick up your cross to follow me. That's upside down thinking. That's upside down teaching. The Kingdom of God doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We're gonna lay down our life to gain it. But in laying it down, we gain something that you could never, ever, ever get any other way. And that is the full delight of a Creator, a full understanding of who made you and why He made you, and to have your heart overwhelmed by pure and perfect love. That thing that you're seeking from whatever it is that you're going after can only be found in Him, nowhere else. The Holy Spirit's lovingly pulling you to the fire, pulling you to the warmth of God. That's why Christianity is such an inside out transformation. Come on, our love for Jesus grows as we make space for the Holy Spirit. Your desire, passion, and pursuit of Jesus is the most important indicator of your life. Your passion, pursuit, and desire of Jesus is the most important indicator of your life. Whether it's growing or dying, will speak to the spiritual environment of our lives. Come on, it sets the direction of your life. This is why it's critical. Come on, who you hang out with, what you listen to, what you watch. Oh, hang on, Steve, are you saying that Christianity is the rules of do's and don'ts and I'm a Christian, I can't listen to Jay-Z and watch R16 movies and say certain words and come on. It's not about the rules. It's about your heart. It's about the seat of your life where He wants to dwell and those things can't dwell together. And what you put in there is gonna affect what comes out of you. And you are giving up, you are trading a banquet for crackers and I'm trading a banquet for crackers. Let's not do it, it's a terrible transaction. It's a bit stern, wasn't it? A bit stern. Maybe, maybe you're trading it for crackers. <laughs> maybe you're not, but come on, if you are this morning, because I'm preaching to myself this morning. I know what I need is a fresh encounter with the presence of God. What I need is a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. What I need to know is I need to see Jesus again. I need to get more encapsulated, enraptured with who Jesus is and get more in love with who Jesus is. And the Holy Spirit will do that work in my heart if I allow Him in, if I allow Him in. Hmm. It's not about rules-based religion. It's about relationship. And our choices are feeding something. You're either feeding the flesh or you're feeding the Spirit. There are two dogs in your life. You've got to starve one and feed the other. That's why the Bible says, crucify the flesh with all its sinful desires. Nail it to the cross. It's a theological term called mortification. To nail your sin to the cross is to, to depart with it, to say, no, no more. I don't wanna feed that dog anymore. I don't want that to be the biggest dog in my life. And we get to do that. 
not in our own strength, but the strength that comes from the Lord. All we have to do is surrender and ask the Holy Spirit to come and do His work. You don't have to white knuckle at people. Remember the foyer of the home. You don't have to clean up your own mess. All you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, I long for you come. Would you do that work in my life? Would you come? Would you come? It's an invitation is all he needs. I'm gonna say that again, an invitation is all he needs. Jesus says it's better if he goes. Because if he goes, then he can send the Holy Spirit. It says in John 16, 17, sorry, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Why is it to our advantage? Because now, just as it was designed in Genesis 1, the Holy Spirit of God can take up residence again in your life. Your home can be restored. You don't have to be alone. Constant relationship, constant partnership, constant companionship, and our heart becomes His home. If Jesus went via the cross, it would restore God's plan to not just live amongst His people, but to live in his people. Our design of spiritual beings that house the Spirit of God has been restored. God's design of us as spiritual beings that house the Spirit of God has been restored. In John 14, Jesus says these words. This is verses 15 to 23. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I'll ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love Him and manifest myself to Him. Judas, not Iscariot in brackets. The other Judas, who's like, please make sure that they know it's me and not that guy. What a bad rap, eh, to be one of the disciples and have your name as Judas. This <laughs> is bad, eh? What's your name, Judas? Oh, you're that guy. No, no, it's the other. Not a scary it. <laughs> Judas, not a scary it, said to him, Lord, how is, it, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? 
Jesus answers him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. This is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit to restore the plan of God for you and for me, that we might be carriers of the presence of God. That we could not have to go to church on a Sunday, that some holy person would intercede on my behalf for God, but that I could actually come directly in a relationship Mano imano, one on one with the creator of everything. That you could be the home of the Holy Spirit. Taking what was broken, taking what was hopeless, taking what was try to be satisfied by things that could never satisfy. In Isaiah, I think it's 55, it says, why do you go after bread that never satisfies? And wine that never quenches your thirst? Come to me and drink and you will be satisfied. The writer of Isaiah says, come to Jesus and find satisfaction for your thirsty soul. Come to me and find a satisfaction for your life that you'll never find in anything created under the sun. You weren't designed to be satisfied by created things. You were designed to be satisfied by the Creator of all things. Set free from the carrot in front of the donkey lifestyle. The string chop, the carrot falls and Jesus stands there. A lot better than a carrot, people. A lot better. truth and the narrative of the redemptive story that we find in our Word. And this is the Gospel, that Jesus came to restore the home of your heart. He came to create a renovation on the inside of you. And from that place, gifts will flow. And from that place, Fruitfulness will be there. And from that place, supernatural signs and wonders will follow you, follower of Jesus. But all of that pales into the background of coming face to face with Jesus Christ. And this is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit.